Welcome to the Pete Primo Show. It is episode 94, and we are with Jeff Bajoric and rethinking the way you sell today. Before we get to Jeff, let me just pay the bills real quick. Sell a million. If you haven't, um, if you haven't gotten this book and you haven't implemented 101 strategies to sell another million, you need to do it today, especially. Uh, the doors are not swinging the way they were, and you need this book. You can start off any place you want and end anywhere you want. I suggest you start with the very last chapter. But let me just do one other thing. Steve Hauk, are you here? Steve, thank you for sponsoring my show, the Mattress Industry Network Group. I think we're over 1,600 strong now. and. Uh, if you are new to the mattress industry, you have to belong to this group. It's absolutely free. If you want to learn how to build, market, sell, and succeed in the mattress industry by a group of retailers, join this group now. And it's a great place to network. Find out what the best selling lines are, what the best margin lines are. Good morning, gentlemen. Everyone get sell a million today. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you. And uh, one other thing about our group, the Mattress Industry Network Group. If you um, have been around for a long time and you think you know it all, jump in this group because you will find out that there's some really smart people in this group. And uh, it's a great group. Whether you're a rookie or whether you're an old pro, join the group and you will be pleasantly surprised. Scan the scan me right there and tell them Pete Primo sent you. Jeff, welcome to the show. How are you today? Good to be here, Pete. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's funny people ask because I have a podcast and they ask how, you know, how it's going and if it's, you know, how much fun it is and everything. And I always tell people, like, you know, we don't get enough people to listen that we're selling mattresses or anything. Um, but this is actually the first time I've been on a show where I'm going to help people sell mattresses. So that's just kind of a cool, uh, yeah, you know, just a, a cool kind of uh, you know, whole circle there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So anybody that doesn't know who Jeff is, uh, Jeff is a rising star in uh, sales and sales training. And more than that, he's actually a sales coach, among other things. Um, I was first apprised of Jeff's whereabouts by one of our previous podcasts, um, um, alumni, uh, Karen Saravo, and she said, This Jeff Bajoric is amazing. You have to listen to him. So, what did I do? I didn't do anything. Anybody who knows me knows it takes 10 times before I do anything. And so, I go to Outbound and I listen to Jeff and I said, Oh my gosh, this guy, this is exactly what we need energy, creativity. And, and, you know, a student of the game, it's one of the things that we share, you know, I'm, I've been at this for 40 years and I'm still a student of the game and you've been at it for a bit and you're a student of the game and I can tell you are and everything that you read and write. And so what I did over the weekend, guys, before I ask Jeff a question is I got these guides and you've got to get them. They're just great. If you are a B2B, uh, sales rep, get this. I'll probably regret this. I'll probably lose a few accounts too over it. But 
when it all goes sideways is for everybody. If you're a, a, a retailer um, or a wholesaler or a sales pro on the retail floor, get get this book and um, it's it's a quick read and it's impactful. There is absolutely no fluff here whatsoever. And so, Jeff, here goes my first question. How did Rethink the Way You Sell come about and what does it mean to you? Mm. It, it came about during a branding exercise probably six years ago. Um, I realized when I got my business up that it was that I had talents and those talents were not marketing, branding, logo design, website design, things like that. And actually with um, a good friend of mine, Christy Walters, who I used to have the Why and the Buy podcast with, we hired a designer for the logo for that show. Actually, I got it on a mug right here. This is what it looks like, the Why and the Buy. This was great. And um, that introduced me to just a tremendous designer. Her name is Liz Borkert. Um, and when I knew that I needed to do something for my business, I sat down with her and I said, let's, let's do this for me. And so we went through this really drawn out process, which was like my first indication that I was way over my skis when it came to doing this for myself. And she had multiple conversations with me and a couple of rounds of ideas and tell me about you and tell me what your approach is. And she came back with this tagline. She said, rethink the way you sell. And I don't know if that was something, I don't recall if that was something she synthesized from our conversation or if just because of the way we had the conversation, I said it but it's stuck. And ever since then, it's kind of been a, a, a guiding light for me. And I think you asked what it means to me. I think there are too many salespeople out there who are trying to find other people's models, other people's templates, other people's tips and tricks. I mean, we've bought the books. Pete, you're a student of the game. I'm a student of the game. It's really easy to get sucked into the fallacy that if we take what one of these tremendous authors, tremendously smart and talented sales leaders puts out there, and if we just take their blueprint and use it ourselves, we'll be successful. And that's just not the case. The most you can get to at that point is mediocrity. Unless you make it your own, unless you sell like you, you're never going to rise to the level of success that you need. And in order to do that, you need to think about why the techniques in that book worked. You need to think about why the leaders out there speak the way that they do and, and do the things that they do. And what are the underlying principles there? What are the foundational elements? When you understand what the foundational elements are, and then you think about the best way for you to go and do them, when you rethink the way you sell, you start to understand how you can best put those principles into play for yourself. And that's what I did when I was in the field that made me successful. And that's what I do with my clients. And that's what I help them do um, so that they can really maximize and, and realize their own potential. Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes that I see salespeople make, and, and I made it myself, um, is just becoming uh, you know, a parrot and just mimicking something that you heard somebody else say. You, maybe you start off that way, but you sooner or later, you've got to get to a place where it's coming from deep within your psyche, deep within your soul, in that it rings true for you. One of the rules that I have, uh, because I'm a multi-line rep, and so I have 
you know, six different bosses, six different lines. And I have a way that I sell and I will not compromise on that way that I sell. And it irks some of my guys. And if it irks them too much, I just don't go with them because, um, the reality is I, I'm never going to sell for a commission. I'm never going to sell because you're overstocked on something and it's not good for my customer. If it's good for my customer and it's a great deal, it's the right fit, then absolutely. One of my favorite words are the, is the word intentional. And I kept hearing it again and again. Um, you, you do a better job of explaining intentional. And I think you linking it back to being authentic is, is a huge piece of a lot of what you're, you're teaching. Can you talk about that just for a moment? I think in order to be intentional, you need to be focused and you need to have a clarity. And, you know, I think in one of the concepts I've been working on recently, Pete, is this concept called the sales success cycle. And the sales success cycle has three components. It's integrity, belief, and performance. When you have integrity, that's where your focus comes from. Am I doing the right things for the right people, the right ways, for the right reasons? If you have that alignment, you can do a lot of things. You can do anything, right? So when you have that alignment, that's where focus comes from. But that alignment in your integrity allows you to believe in what you're doing. And if you don't believe in what you're doing, you're not going to do it very well. But when you believe, when you have that sales swagger that I like to talk about, that enables performance to a level that is really not attainable otherwise. And so that alignment leads to belief. The belief leads to performance. That kind of performance that you feel good about because you know you're doing the right things for the right reasons, that reaffirms your integrity and the cycle continues. It's a, it's a, a virtuous cycle as opposed to a vicious one. Um, that's medical terminology that comes from a former lifetime of mine. Um, but that really is akin to what Jim Collins writes and talks about all the time is getting that flywheel spinning. Right, So when you're doing the right things for the right reasons, you feel really good, you believe that your mission is to help people in a way that no one else is helping them, that enables you to perform at a level that you couldn't perform at previously, and then it just continues to go. And that intention requires that kind of alignment. So it all really starts there. And I didn't have names for this really until recently, Pete. And it's one of the things that, you know, I really had to go back and think about kind of the genesis and the origin story of where all my writing comes from. And for me, the switch was always, do I believe in what I'm doing or am I not quite so sure? And what do I need to do to flip that switch? And so that's where my writing and my talking is coming from in a more intentional manner now, Pete, since I have the, the, uh, the means of, you know, putting a language to where all this stuff was coming from. But you're picking up by reading my work over the years, you're picking up kind of, uh, you know, really the, the organic nature of where it came from. I want to unpack one thing that I think is, I mean, I, we could spend the rest of the show just talking about this, but, but, but there's, there's something that really struck me. Um, it, I mean, it was like a baseball bat that came out of left field and it hit me, you know, when you're in alignment, when you believe the way you speak and the and the 
the effectiveness of each call is greatly magnified. And then there's another piece to this too. So this is for my rep friends. When you you have that little thing going off in your head, you were taught as a rookie rep, make one more call. When you're not aligned, when you don't believe, you don't make the one more call. But when you are aligned and when you believe and when you are really focused on the good that you can do for this next dealer that you're going to see, you make that one more call. And if it means you're late to dinner or you missed dinner, then you're late to dinner and you missed dinner because you're driven. You're absolutely driven because you know you can help this customer. And I would say the same thing to you as a store owner. You know, if you're having a tough time getting through to your employees, you're having a tough time getting through to your customers, what was your first love? What? Why did you start this business? What difference were you trying to make in the lives of your customers? And now I'm going to bang you over the head. How far have you drifted from it? And if you can find your way back into that alignment and into that belief and knowing clearly why you open this store and the benefits that it provides to the customers in the area, you get that piece of this right and you're going to be unstoppable. I saw the wheels going, so I'm going to shut up and let you do your thing. Oh, it's... um you don't just make one more call when you have this alignment. You often make two. You sometimes make three because it's just what you do. It comes through you. There's no resistance within you. When you don't have that alignment, when you don't have that belief, that's where call reluctance comes from. That's where the doubt of, is this the right thing? Should I do this? And, and you find that resistance even when you are aligned, when you find yourself driving by the dealer that you don't want to work with. You're like, yeah, I, I should, but I really don't want to. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's because you know they won't ever pay the premium that your product deserves. Um, they're going to be a pain to work with. Like not every customer is a good customer and you never have a better day when you fire your worst customer. But like when you, when you find yourself with that resistance, like that friction is very, very difficult to overcome. But alignment is what reduces all that friction. It's like motor oil. It's like synthetic motor oil in an internal combustion engine, right? It just, it helps everything move more freely. And, you know, Pete, we met in Atlanta at Alpine this year. And, you know, two of the, the guys on the main stage, Jeb Blunt and Anthony Inarino, both wrote two best-selling books this year, published them both, one in the spring, one in the fall. And it's like, how do you do that? Well, you do that when you're so aligned with what you do and you are so good at what you do and you know so well the audience, the people you're trying to reach with that work, um, it's, it's, it's infinitely easier for them to do that than for someone else who doesn't have that same alignment. It's literally not the same sport. It's not the same game. It's not the same ballpark. It's not the same anything because that alignment, along with their skills and talents that they've developed over time, I'm not trying to take away from their years of experience, but like that's why it's easier for some people to do some things than it is for other people. Are you in touch with your own integrity? Does this feel like the right thing to do? When it feels like the right thing to do, discipline, as we know it, just isn't that big of a deal. And that, I think, is it's a missing ingredient to sales performance 
Um, I believe, you know, that, that sales success cycle, that equation of integrity, belief, and performance, most sales trainers, most companies are only trying to address one of those three factors. And that's why most salespeople never reach their full potential. They're, they're not even looking at integrity and belief. They're taking integrity for granted and they're hoping, or they're hoping that a belief it gets a little bit of carryover effect. Let's let you practice this. Let's give you some skills. Let's give you some templates that'll give you some confidence. And maybe that'll spill over into belief. But confidence and belief are not the same thing. Confidence or belief rather is confidence plus integrity. If I show you a million ways to do something, but you just don't believe it's the right thing to do, you're still not going to do it that well. It's not because you don't know how to do it. It's because you don't believe in it. It's confidence plus integrity. That is the missing, those are the missing elements uh, to so many salespeople. They could be doing so much better if they were just looking for the right thing to work on. You know, as you were, as, as you were walking through that, um, you know, w- when I talked to Jeb last week, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, this last book, uh, Selling in a Crisis, it, it, it literally just poured out of him. It was, mm-hmm. and his biggest, his biggest challenge was editing the darn thing. Because, you know, and it always is, uh, and, and even, you know, but the fact that he got that out in that time just tells me it was, it, it was, it, it wasn't a business calculation. It was something that he had to do to give back to the community that he has served and who has served him so well. And it had to happen in his mind. It had to happen. And he literally parked all of his business um, and wrote the book as fast as he humanly could uh, do it. And I'm thankful that he did because it's a lot of great things. And, and the interesting thing is this book, when it goes sideways, to me, there's a lot of the same stuff there. And I'm telling you, I know when you wrote that, you wrote that, what, in 2020? Uh, spring of 2020. And I know why you wrote it, but everything that's in there for that time applies today. Mm-hmm. And, and then some. But one thing I just want to give to our sales pros that work on a retail floor, everything that we're talking about here, it applies to you doubly, maybe triply. So the one thing I, I, I want to just mention real quick to my sales pros who are selling at retail and a shout out to uh, Crane's Mattress today who I did a, a meeting with your three stores. Um, thank you, Kathy and Ray and everybody. It was a lot of fun for me, a great way to start my week. Um, there's three things that you can sell as a retail salesperson. You can sell your product and they can buy your product from, from any store. And you can sell your, um, your store. And if you're a commission salesperson, they can buy from any salesperson on that floor. Or you can sell yourself. And if you believe in yourself and you believe that you're going to do a better job for that retail consumer than any other human being, then your customer is going to get you a great sales professional who has integrity, who wants to win for them, and who will go to the ends of the earth if something does go sideways. 
they're going to get the great store and they're going to get the great product. But focusing in on selling you is the most important thing you could possibly do. Like Jeff says, sell like you. And I'm going to shorten it up for you. Sell you. Mm. Sell you. I mean, we should be able to look into the mirror and we should be able to shop 10 stores today and say, I have the most integrity. I have the most knowledge. I am going to work harder. I'm going to be more creative. And you have exercises in your guides uh, that you know encourage people to find their ideal customer and to ask them why they bought from them. I used to do it when I was in retail. After I got everything done, all the paperwork was done, I basically asked them why they bought. And, you know, I loved when they said, well, you know, we shopped three or four stores or we shopped five or six stores. And Pete, you know, you were the, you know, you were the one who was the most professional, the most creative, blah, 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 blah. You know what I usually found out? I was the only one that didn't lie to him. And yeah. I'm like, that's a sobering thought that here I am and all of what I put into my craft. But the most significant thing that they came away from was I was honest. And I call them bridges. Customers will ask you questions that they already know the answers to. And they want to see how you're going to walk over that bridge mm. or if you're going to crash and burn. So the most common one was the last day of the sale routine. And, and, I, and I would tell them the truth. If there was, you know, but even if there wasn't a last day for the sale, I would tell them, hey, listen, as long as I've been here, it's been at that price. And I'm, I know I'm supposed to tell you that today's the last day of the sale and I'm supposed to, but I'm not going to tell you that because it's not true. And sometimes the customers would stop me right there, Jeff, and say, that's what we love about you. Mm -hmm. And and that's why we're buying. And they, they wouldn't even let me close. They just take it away from me. So retail salespeople, have fun and serve your customers and make sure you sell yourself because you you have to sell like you and you have to find a way to make this yours. Um, features and benefits, they're there on every product. There's, there's, there's not, there's no shortage of features and benefits. And if, by the way, if you don't translate those to outcomes, uh, you're, you're going to have, you're going to have a very short career or a very unprofitable career either way. Um, you have to find out what's important. One of the things that the, they hope obligation becomes belief over time. Obligation. Oh, that's interesting, Jeff. Who said that, Chris? I can't see. Yeah, it just says Facebook user, but it's interesting. It's like if, if you're compelled to do something enough over and over and over again, they hope that by osmosis, you, you know, yeah. start to believe it. And that just doesn't happen. Just because you tolerate something doesn't mean you believe it. And just because you're willing to tolerate something doesn't mean it's that good. It just means it's it's good enough to be tolerated. It doesn't mean that it's the best out there. 
And I think that, uh, and I love your, your, I, you know, I want to go back to that analogy you made about bridges, right? Are you sure. giving your, your, your customers, um, the opportunity to, well, well, you're, you're given the opportunity by your customer rather, uh, to show them how you're going to tread over that bridge. Who are we working with here? You know, the average right. customer knows a lot more than you think they do. Um, they still don't know everything and they're still not always right. And I will argue with you about that. Um, but the, you know, to proceed with that relationship as if it's already moving forward, to show them your character, to give them uh, an inside look at what it's like to work with you, that's, I mean, that's going to be the difference. Look at the manufacturers selling the products that you sell. Um, they have their prices and, you know, the dealers are buying those products and they're marking them up. The margin is how their, their business operates. So there is certainly a floor. You can only get so cheap on this stuff. Right. And, you know, so when it comes down to something that people can get anywhere and it's the same, the truck stops at your place and then it goes to the next place and then it goes to the next place. It's the same truck. People see what is the same, but they're always looking for something different. They're looking for a better experience. They're looking for someone they can trust. They're looking for something they can believe in. You have to be that difference. And, you know, what's interesting is that people, salespeople have known this for a long time. I'm not, you know, th this is not news. But it's interesting how many salespeople will act out of integrity to try to make themselves different. And it just misses the whole point. If you're so fake trying to tell me exactly what you think that I want to hear, that's a red flag for me. But if you show up and you're like, here's the deal. Um, the good news is the sale doesn't really end today. This is just what it costs. The bad news is, yeah, this is what I'm selling it for. <laughs> like, I hope you're waiting for, I, I think you might be hoping to hear that there, I can actually be a little bit better on this. I could be a little, like, here, cars on the table. This is what it costs. I'm not going to make you sign on it today, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's never going to be any cheaper. So, like, if you want this, we should move forward. If you don't, it's totally fine. The timeline is really irrelevant, but the fact of the matter is, this is a mattress that you're going to sleep well on for a long time. Just let me know what you want to do. Like, th that, that transparency, um, that authenticity, uh, that, hey, I'm not going to sugarcoat you, but I got a lot of things to do. I'm not going to sugarcoat this for you, but I got a lot of things to do. I got a lot of people to get to today. What would you like to do? You know, what, what else do we need to talk about before you make your decision one way or another? Um, that's not supposed to sound flippant. It's just supposed to, like, for me, I'm going to give you everything that I can give you, and then it's time to think or it's time to act. Mm. I'm not going to twist your, I'm not going to twist your arm. I'm not going to make you purchase right now. Um, but I, I, it's my job to help you make the decision you need to make. And, um, I'm just, I'm going to do that in a way that only I can. That was solid gold. Someone they can trust, someone they can believe in. It's an absolute breath of fresh air, Jeff. That's <laughs> so good. Um, I'm going to read a quick chapter in my book. It takes about 40 seconds. And this is uh, actually one of my favorite chapters. It's so short though. So guys, those of you at home, chapter 92. Be like Joe. Page 132. Joe Girard, that is. Who is Joe Girard? 
Guinness Book of World Records recognizes Joe as the world's greatest salesman. He did it in the automobile industry between 1963 and 1978. He did it when you went to Joe's office to write up a car, you would see pictures of his customers with their new car and thank you notes written to Joe. Even though he won hundreds of awards, they were not featured in his office where customers could see them. All of his, all his customers could see is hundreds and thousands of pictures of happy customers with their new cars. And a thank you. What was Joe communicating with his decor? You can be happy like my other customers too. What is your store communicating to your customers? Knowing what your customer likes and doesn't like is the key to giving them an atmosphere that is interesting and, in, and engaging. Be like Joe. Show lots of happy customers enjoying your store's great products along with their thank you notes that your store has earned in your in, that will lead to more sales and more profits. And what I would say today more than ever is your testimonials, your five-star online reviews, and uh, your referrals. That's, those are the three things you have to have in your business. And anybody that's a student of sales if you don't know who Joe Girard is, Joe Girard went in, in the middle of a recession to a car dealership and he said, I don't want to take any business off of the, uh, off of the door. I don't, I don't want, all I want is a phone and a desk. I won't take any of the dealerships ups. He built his business by working proactively calling customers, scanning his newspaper, using the phone book when all else failed, and he became the greatest ever. And he never took a single up off of the floor. So if you don't know who Joe Girard is, read up on him. He is a phenomenal person. And his decoration, the way that he he decorated his office is a lesson. They don't care. Your customers don't care that you won a sales award. They don't want to be the bones that you walked on top of to get their next sales award. What they really want to know is, this guy really seems like a great guy. What do other people think? And there's the other people. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Love my car, Joe. And that should be our approach too. Um, what say you? Well, I think there's a, a theme in there that you keep coming back to. And you mentioned this earlier too. You talk to your customers. You ask them why they bought from you. What did you learn? I mean, you, you mentioned that you learned that you were the only one that they could trust. That's important, right? But like your best customers will give you all the language you need to find more like them. And remember how I mentioned a couple minutes ago that you never have a better day in sales than when you fire your worst customer. Like you want to find more customers like your best customers, not just more people who are willing to give you money because they're not all great. And so when you have that conversation, you learn. And then when you learn what really matters, it almost always surprises you. I say if you ask a hundred salespeople, line them all up, 
I say, how many people, how many of you, um, you know, have asked your, you, how, how many of you know why your best customers buy? How many of you have asked? Five people will raise their hand because they have asked. So they actually know. Another 15 people are pretty intuitive. They guess right. You know, they make proper assumptions and, and they, they get the answers to the questions right. So that's 20% of salespeople that know and only five because they've actually done the work to ask. If you do the math though, Pete, that's just, that's 80 more people. 80% of salespeople would be shocked to find out why their best customers are actually their best customers, just because they haven't had those conversations. And the thing is, you mentioned referrals too. This is my guide, my four-step guide to having these interviews and um, getting more referrals out of the out of the process. One, Pete, why'd you buy from me the first time? And then like that's that's one A. One B is okay. Can you be more specific? Because they almost always will just gloss over it because it's a vulnerable question to ask and a vulnerable answer to give. But when you say, "Look, I, I really appreciate." The business we've done together, I really appreciate the continued business that we do together. Um, it would really help me to find more customers like you if you were as specific as possible. Then they'll open up and they'll tell you everything that you need to hear. And then you thank them. And then step two is, why do you continue to do business with us? Now, what, what got you the first time? What keeps you here? Right. And then you're going to have another, you're going to continue to have this, this great exchange, this discussion. The third question is, do you know anybody else who might appreciate the same service? And the fourth question is, if you're feeling frisky, would you be willing to introduce us? So now you've gone from a little bit of market research to some customer loyalty research to, hey, you know anybody else? I'm asking for referrals. And now taking it a step further from asking for referrals, because if someone gives you a name and I just say, hey, Pete told me to call you. I've been burned by that before. I've, I've actually been on the receiving. I, I don't do it that way. It's why I haven't been burned in that way by this. But I've had people call me before that say, "Oh yeah, so and so told me to, uh, you know, told me to call you." And then I reach out to so and so, and they're like, "Yeah, they kind of bullied me into just giving them some names." Sorry about that. Right? You got to be careful about how you do this. But if this is really a referral worth making, that person will introduce you. Email is too easy. Social media is too easy for them not to just send that quick message. So when you walk through that spectrum, now all of a sudden you're learning everything you need to say to your next best customer. You're also being delivered right to that customer. It's really, really simple. If you're gutsy enough to ask the question that only 5% of your peers and competitors are willing to ask. If you're willing to step up, it will make you money today. That is so good. And I love how you uh, disarm them at the beginning of four. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling frisky. Oh, uh, that's that's my message to the salespeople. I, you, I suppose you could do that to your referral source as well. I, I, I mean, I, I suppose you could do that. But um, I just, I think if you're, if you as the seller are feeling good that day, you got a little extra swagger in your step, then um, ask them to make the introduction. It's really what you should do all the time, but So I want to dive into this thing with referrals just a little bit more. So this is for store owners and this is for sales pros on the retail floor. Whenever you're getting a compliment, you've got to learn how to kind of oh shucks and make them come up and give you more. And after they give you more, then you go right into, you know, 
the rest of the referral uh, thing. So are you just saying that? Are you you're just trying to make me feel good? No, 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 no. We really, well, what part of it did you like the most? Well, we, 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 we love Joe. Joe was a great salesman and, and, and then, uh, Jeff and Bob, they delivered and they took their shoes off and most of the delivery guys don't take their shoes off and blah, blah, blah. So now what's developing here is a legitimate testimonial and a legitimate five star review. Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of dig deeper. And, and once you get that all solidified, just ask, you know, believe it or not, there's still some folks out there that don't even know who we are. They don't even know XYZ mattress store is here. Mm-hmm. And would it be okay if, if I put down and write in what you just said? Of course. Would it be okay if I used your name too? And by the way, if I sent you a link, could you just what we wrote, what we just said, just put that down on, on your review. And here's what you need to understand as a store owner and as a sales pro. Will everybody do it? No, they won't. Will a lot of people say they're going to do it and then not do it? Yeah. But if the competitor down the street does not ask for referrals, they do not ask for five-star online reviews and they don't ask um, for testimonials, and you ask every time you see an opportunity and you ask as part of a process, who do you think wins at the end of the day? The guy that has a process, the guy or the gal that goes out there consistently and just understand that when people are coming to you with compliments, ding, 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 should be going off in your head. This is an opportunity for a testimonial. This is an opportunity for a five-star online review. And this is an opportunity potentially for a referral. And referrals can do something that you can't. You know, you're a stranger to this person. The referral is a known entity to somebody often, almost always. It's very unusual to get a referral from somebody that they don't know. And when they really know somebody and they like them, and if you look at how many people actually get asked to make a referral, it's very few. It might be the only referral that they get from this one person. And so if this is the right person connected in the right way, it can go and sell in a place that you as a salesperson or a store owner cannot sell because they're doing it from a place of complete and total personal integrity because they're a known quantity to that person. So those are just a few thoughts. I think we forget that you don't often get what you don't ask for. Mm. And your best customers really want to help. They don't know how to help. It's second nature to us to ask for referrals and testimonials and and things like that because, look, we've been doing this long enough to know that that's how it works and most people won't ask. Okay. Um, But we like to take it for granted that our customers know to do that and they just don't. And I talk to seller after seller after seller. It's like, well, I don't want to ask for too much. 
they already paid me for the product or the service or the solution. I don't know. It's like, if this is your best client, you've already over-delivered on their on, on that transaction, if you will, on the relationship. You're already over-delivering. Ask, right? What's the worst they're going to do? They're going to tell you no? Like, look, they're, they're not af- you shouldn't be afraid that they're going to pull all their business right out from underneath you because you had the gall to ask for a referral. Like, give me a break. You're leading with a compliment. Pete, I really appreciate our relationship. We've been working together now for 15 years. I've sold you so many mattresses, so much furniture, so much whatever it is that you're selling. Because I know there's people watching and listening to this right now that don't sell furniture. Yeah, whatever it is, you've done that. We've worked together for a long time. This kind of loyalty is not common. And I want you to know it's appreciated. So help me. What is it that you see in me? Because we all have blind spots, by the way. What is it that you see in me that you just don't find anywhere else? It would help me tremendously if you could help me articulate that. And then all of a sudden, you open the door to this conversation that deepens your relationship. You're not taking anything away from them. You're not taking more than what they paid for. This is not an improper or an uneven exchange. This is how good relationships work. You know what a beautiful relationship is? A beautiful relationship, whether it's personal, professional, uh, otherwise, right, is when each one of the people in that relationship feels indebted to the other. They feel constantly like they're just trying to put as much into that relationship as possible because it means so much to them. You have to recognize that when that exists, the best way that you can help someone help you is by asking them to. Mm-hmm. They're looking for it if it's, really, if it's really a good relationship. And if it's not a great relationship, then the framework doesn't work. But why do we want to replicate relationships that aren't good? So that's the way it all ties together. And it's just, it's not an entitlement thing. It's, it's, it's you, you shouldn't feel entitled to it, but you should recognize when you've earned it. And yeah. that is a big difference. Yep, yep. Um, one of the most significant things that Jeff just said is your best customers want to help. Don't ever forget that. They want to help. The problem is we don't often share with them how they can help. And we need to get better at that as an industry. And all salespeople just flat out need to get better than that. I'll I'll never forget. I had a customer and he said, hey, you know, there's a customer you know, two hours away, his name is blah, blah, blah. And, um, and, you know, he would really do good with your products. And, and, you know, his name is blah, blah, blah. And here's his phone number. And dumb me didn't call. My, my customer got to the point where he got so frustrated with me, he wrote it down for me and he said, don't come back in here until you do this. So I finally do it. And, this the guy was waiting for me. Had heard all about me, knew everything, and wanted to buy and bought, and uh, was a great customer for many years. So, here's one of the things that you know: if you believe in what you sell, and you know that you create good outcomes for your customers, and if you're selling mattresses in a sleep shop, the outcome is they wake up happy and pain free, or as happy and as pain-free as their personality and their medical 
medical conditions will allow, right? Because if somebody is in stage four final you know, failure, there's nothing you can do for them health-wise. And if they're a complete basket case mentally, then there's nothing you can do for them either. But other than that, most people, you can change their lives for the better. And when you look at the wellness stool, it's a three-legged stool, and it's very simple. It's, It's nutrition, it's exercise, and it's rest. And the biggest part of rest is how you sleep at night. And for you guys and gals out there that are sales pros on the retail floor, then you need to be explaining this to your customers and making them understand how important it is because it's easy to be commoditized, especially with how we tend to advertise as an industry. Your store may not be guilty of it, but too many stores are advertising blah, blah, blah at XYZ. And it's meaningless to the average customer that hasn't been in the market for 10 to 15 years. They don't know a pillow top from a firm top. They don't know latex from memory foam. They don't know any of that stuff. That's all jargon for us. All they want is to wake up happy and pain-free. And um, when you help a customer wake up happy and pain-free, asking them to help you is a great compliment to them. And most people, if they've had a good experience and they like you, they really want to help. But we don't make it easy enough for them. And I I love what you say. I want you to know that your business is appreciated. I want you to know that you're appreciated. That's very powerful words to help a customer um, get on board with what you're asking them to do. And, and here's the thing, and it, you know, Mark Hunter does such a good job with this, with the mindset shift of what when you start to sell for the other person, understanding that their life is going to be better. You know, just shop, shop, shop your competitors, and ask yourself a few questions. Did you meet anybody along the way that you thought had more integrity than you? Did you meet anybody along the way that had more product knowledge than you? Did you meet anybody along the way that would work harder or more creative, more, more creatively for your customer than you? And that's mostly furniture, but sometimes we got to get creative while we're selling mattresses too, because sometimes you've got two partners and you've got complications of different health problems and you're trying to find something that's going to be the right thing for them. But you don't ask, you don't get. That's overly simple. But the bigger piece to this is if we go back to the very beginning of where we all started, integrity, belief, and performance. You know that you can help this customer feel better. You can make their friends feel better. You can make their relatives feel better. You can help their next door neighbor feel better. And if you believe that, why wouldn't you do it all the time? You would do it all the time. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. So let me ask you a quick question. Sure. Um, 
you know, th- there's a lot of noise out there right now. We're a day away from an election. Half the country's going to be crushed in whenever the votes are done, and then the other half will be happy. Um, how, how do you coach salespeople and business owners to, to put themselves in the best place possible to win, given the circumstances that we find ourselves in today, this moment? With regard to what? Are you talking specifically with the election or are you just talking about with the circumstances in the economy and the trends and, and what where, where people whole, are headed? The, the whole ball of wax. Yeah, everything. You know, well, t- and, and mindset more than anything. You know, how do you keep your, your head in the game? How do you not get sidetracked with some of the stuff that's the noise that's going on? Well, it's control what you can control. Recognize that the noise is there the signal is few and far between. The signals are few and far between. Um, but when it, it comes back to that integrity, like, do you know what you need to be doing? Do you know how to do it? Do you do it in a way that feels good to you? That's not only going to be effective, but that you can be proud of. And forget the stereotypes that are out there. Forget the conversations that are being had that are, that are being had that that don't apply to that integrity, that don't align with your own goals. And do the work that you need to do. Selling is not complicated. We like to complicate things by coming up with clever means of closing deals and opening conversations and all that other stuff. Look, you need to put yourself in front of people that can say yes to you, right? Thanks, Jeffrey Gittimer, for so eloquently stating that so many years ago. (laughs) You know, but put yourself in front of people who can say yes to you. Help them make the decisions that they need to make that are in their best interest. And, you know, if you can do that for people you appreciate, for people you respect with a product or a service that you feel good about, if your own methods make you smile and make you proud, like, then it's, and you, and you have a purpose for doing it, like, that's that alignment that we've already talked about. So don't get caught up in things that aren't aligned with you. All that is, is wasted effort and energy. It's wasted attention. It helps nobody. Worrying about where you're falling short, worrying about the, you know, gubernatorial or gubernatorial race in another state that's not going to impact you in any other way just because it's on the broader spectrum of politics. Like, like in your free time, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, like go right ahead. Everybody's got their hobbies. I prefer to play golf. But like, you know, when it comes to my sales career and, you know, what I'm trying to do for my clients, I have to have very strict boundaries around what matters and what doesn't. And I have to keep my focus on the stuff that matters because everything else it is literally a distraction and it helps nobody. So if you're not helping anybody, why are you doing it? Mm. Yeah, that goes back to how we started the show. Focus and clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jeff, one of my uh, customers has been watching the show and, and they're like, this uh, Jeff Bajoric guy, he... I like this rethink the way you sell. I I want to I want to call this guy. I want to ask him a question. I how do people get a hold of you, Jeff? What's the best way? Pretty simple. Um the the two easiest ways, um jeffbajorek.com. There are links there that you can book a discovery call with me if 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 you think that what I've talked about today will be able to help your team or your organization whether it's through a sales kickoff event or a, a training engagement or even just a, a one-off workshop. 
Um, there are plenty of calls to action right on that uh, website to get you in touch with me. The other way you can do it is also really simple is just find me on LinkedIn um, at Jeff Bajoric. That's my name. There's a Jeff Re Bajoric out there who's not me. Um, and, and, you know, it's kind of funny to run into someone with your, with the same name as you. Uh, but you can find me pretty easily. Send me a message. Connect with me there. Send me a message. I reply to all those messages. I don't have an organization that is working with me. I don't have a team of assistants that handles all my communication. Uh, you reach out to me, you get me, and let's talk about it. That's awesome. Uh, and I can testify. He, uh, I sent, sent Jeff a, uh, a personal message on LinkedIn. He replied right away, and um, the rest is, is history. So Jeff, before we say goodbye, what would you like to say to our listeners? You know what you need to do. There's a voice inside your head. There's a feeling in your belly or your chest that will guide you in the right direction if you're willing to listen to it. My advice to you is the same as the advice to my former self. I get asked this a lot. What would you tell a younger Jeff as he was just getting started? Uh, I would say to pay a lot more attention to that voice, pay a lot more attention to that feeling. It has never led me wrong. It will never lead you wrong. Where you go wrong is where you doubt it and try to follow somebody else's voice. So just remember that you'll never sell better than when you sell like you. And the sooner you're willing to trust yourself, the sooner you're going to experience those results. That's awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for being here. And I look forward to, uh, to seeing you next. Hopefully, I don't have to wait till Georgia next year. Now that I know you're a neighbor in Michigan. Uh, hey, we're not that far away from each other, Pete. No, we're not. As a matter of fact, one of my manufacturers is right around the corner from you, like 10 minutes away. So uh, so uh, you might might be getting a call from me. You never know. Hey, we, we make coffee up here too, Pete. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Have a great day. And thank you. Have fun and sell a million.